Good morning. Let me take you back to 1997. To many, the year is synonymous with one week that saw the death of two 20th century icons. Both had faces which would light up nations upon their arrival. In different ways, they both knew privilege and poverty. They had passion and personality. Irrespective of their personal religious beliefs, they both could be described as modern-day prophets. They chose to live and they changed the world through addressing injustice. Just like Jesus Christ is known by a name and a title, so were they, Princess Diana and Mother Teresa. I also remember 1997 as a year of life where a euphonic trinity of hope, joy and love was celebrated because six weeks before their deaths, I got married. At the time, there was a song topping the playlists around the world, which became a quintessential anthem of the 1990s. It was called Truly, Madly, Deeply by the Australian duo called Savage Garden. You may or may not remember it in the ways that I do. For me, the song is helpful for three reasons this morning as we begin to explore a new series about the Old Testament biblical prophets. Firstly, the words of the chorus of the song are these. I want to stand with you on the mountain. I want to bathe with you in the sea. I want to lay like this forever until the sky falls down on me. Using those words definitely not as the original lyricist intended and imagined. Welcome to the world of the biblical prophets. I think of Moses, the pioneering prophet, standing on Mount Sinai, receiving the ten words or the ten commandments. Or centuries later, the prophet Elijah standing on that same mountain or on another mountain, this time Mount Carmel, where he defeats the 450 prophets of the Canaanite reign god Baal. Then... I think of the prophet Ezekiel, perhaps not, shall we say, bathing, but wading through the waters in that glorious vision of the new temple. Next, I think of the first prophet, Samuel, as a small boy, as he lays in his bed in eager anticipation, as he says these words, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Or the prophet Elijah once more, as he lays down under the broom tree, when God meets him not once, but twice in his hour of need. And then finally, for some, our biblical knowledge maybe of the prophets may be just their writings of their apocalyptic events, either in the nation Israel's immediate future or the end of time when the sky would fall down. Most of them, if we're honest, get in on the act, Hosea and Amos, Isaiah and Jeremiah, and their predictions of the fall of Israel into exile through to Daniel and Zechariah with their catastrophic visions of the world's end. The prophets' words of the Lord contain depth. They cut to the heart of issues facing the nations then and today, of our need to lament and repent and reorient. As we look through this series, we might consider that some of them mad with their eccentric lifestyles and bizarre actions, but undoubtedly, Despite personal risks to themselves, they spoke words of truth against people's idolatry and injustice. And they experienced the harsh reality of what came with that territory, 
which we also need to hear today in our world lacking a moral compass. The second reason why this song is helpful is because of how the lyricist did intend the song to be imagined, of a love story between a man and a woman. The deepest expression of human love is marriage, which at its core is a covenant between two parties. If I were to ask you to pick one word to sum up the whole of the biblical story, I wonder what word would you use? We might use the word Jesus. After all, we're meant to be the church, and isn't the answer always Jesus? And most of the time, it is. But perhaps on this occasion, I would choose the word covenant. The Bible is structured by two testaments. Another word for testament is covenant. And in the Bible, we read that there are five major covenants described. In the first four, God creates a covenant with key individuals in the Old Testament, with Noah, with Abraham, with Moses, and finally with King David. Very importantly, they're not separate covenants, but one covenant that is expressed differently or enhanced at critical points in the history of the people of God as a new chapter opens. From reading the biblical text, we know the covenant was a formal agreement between two parties, making binding, official and permanent a relationship of faithful, loyal love, obedience and trust. It's a rugged commitment to be with someone, reminding us the biblical story is not always good. From reading the biblical text, we know that the covenant was an agreement between two unequal partners, God and humanity, with God always being the initiator. From reading the biblical text, we know that the covenant involved promises. Sometimes those promises were unconditional. On other occasions, they were conditional, with blessings and curses attached. From reading the biblical text, we know that to show the commitments involved in the covenant, you wouldn't make a covenant but rather what you would do is you would cut a covenant, which involved some type of animal sacrifice and the shedding of blood. From reading the biblical text, we know that the covenant had signs attached to them, some outward mark of being in a covenant relationship. Of course, with Noah, it's been so much the symbol of this pandemic we've lived through, the rainbow. For Abraham, it was circumcision. Ouch. And of course, from reading the biblical text, we know the covenant could be expressed most simply in these words. With the, as they echo throughout the Bible, as God says, I will be your God and you will be my people. Here's the point. If we want to understand the biblical prophets, we have to understand what I'm about to say. That everything in the prophets is based upon the covenant that God made with Moses during the exodus at Mount Sinai and most especially the form that was renewed and extended at Moab in the book of Deuteronomy with the prophet's biggest message being to call the people of God back to live out the covenant. In the words of Deuteronomy chapter 30, which represented the climax of everything that had gone before, this represented the call to choose life, a life of prosperity and blessing. It showed the people of God how to have a right relationship with God 
It showed them how to treat one another in human ways. And it showed the people of God how to be good stewards of the earth's resources. The clue, though, was in the prophet's message of having to call back the people of God to live out the covenant. In the words of Deuteronomy chapter 30, they kept breaking the covenant and rejecting the call to choose life through their actions of idolatry and social injustice, thereby choosing death instead, a life of adversity and curses, which resulted eventually in their exile to Assyria for the northern kingdom and Babylon for the southern kingdom. If we get this central point of the prophet's main message to call the people of God back to live out the covenant, we will have a far greater understanding of why the prophets said and acted like they did. Returning to the theme of marriage as a covenant, it's why God calls the prophet Hosea to marry a promiscuous woman called Gomer, to show how her unfaithfulness to Hosea mirrors Israel's unfaithfulness to God. If we get this central message of the prophets and Israel's repeated unfaithfulness to God, we'd also understand why the prophets, Jeremiah especially, but also Ezekiel and Isaiah, speak of a new covenant that would be cut by God. It's a covenant we're told in Jeremiah 31 that's still wrapped up in that language of I will be their God and they will be my people. But now it's opened up to all humanity. It's a covenant focused upon radical heart surgery that is needed in humanity through the yoke of God's transformative teaching. It's a covenant, though, that is cut and sealed, not with the death and the shedding of blood of an animal, but instead with the death and the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ on a Roman cross. It's a covenant which means no other payment in blood is ever needed when it's broken because of our sin. Because Jesus' death opens up a new way to know and live in covenant relationship with God. Not through sacrifices and offerings, but through receiving the unconditional love and forgiveness of God. It's a covenant that God calls each of us to enter into. A covenant of love. I said earlier the song Truly, Madly, Deeply is helpful in three ways to understanding the biblical prophets. Here's the third. The opening verse of the song says, I'll be your dream, I'll be your wish, I'll be your fantasy. I'll be your hope, I'll be your love, be everything that you need. I'll love you more with every breath, truly, madly, deeply do. I will be strong. I will be faithful because I'm counting on a new beginning, a reason for living, a deeper meaning. Yeah. We might find it uncomfortable to think of God speaking intimately and poetically in this way to us. If we do, I challenge you to read the wisdom book in the Bible called Song of Songs and to know God in this way in your heart because his love changes everything. Let me say this in all honesty, you will never get Christianity or you will never understand God until you realise God is truly, madly, deeply in love with you. This is the message of the prophets that so often the people of God ignored. He is the God who wants to stand and share with you the deepest moments of your life on the mountain, in the seas, in your dreams, until your life as you know it at present ends. 
in the past two weeks on our Zoom church service. We've had two of the most moving testimonies I've heard in nearly 10 years of being here, articulating in a very personal way the love of God for them and the experience that they've received and the difference that it's made to our life. Jesus brings a new beginning, a reason for living, a deeper meaning to your life. I want to leave you this morning with a Deuteronomy chapter 30 moment, a watershed moment, a message that the prophets themselves would say to us to choose life as we start to know a few more lockdown freedoms and re-enter the land. It could well be all of our lives are meant to be defined and shaped by what has happened to us these past three months. So why not start to reflect and consider what would the biblical prophets say to us about seeking the word of the Lord for how this time we've been through may shape and define our life. So we re-engage well by loving God in return, by listening to him and walking in his ways and by obeying his commands, by being loyal to him. To help here are two questions. I and others in this church have been starting to reflect upon these past few weeks. I think it's good to think about them in terms of our life and our church, which is what the covenant was all about. And so I leave them with you now. What have you gained? What have you gained and want to keep at the end of lockdown to help you choose life with God? And the second What have you lost? What have you lost and shouldn't take back at the end of lockdown because it distracts you from choosing life with God? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, who spoke your word to the prophets to call your people back to you, empower and equip us by your Holy Spirit to be your people to be faithful in our love and worship of you, to be obedient and loyal in our service, to be compassionate in loving our neighbour and to be authentic in caring for this earth. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, who is faithful. Amen.